0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Doug Show. My name is Doug Huntington. And in this episode, we'll talk a little about Clubhouse. We'll also get into the mailbag when I got a question or two. And I'll also talk about kind of building your platform, which will tie into Clubhouse a little bit. Vanilla Ice is gonna come up at some point. So is Madonna. Minor roles in this episode, thank goodness. But It will come up and then I'll, I'll ramble on about some, some other things that are going on, which I like to do that. I like to do that occasionally. So I think we'll just get into it. So Clubhouse is probably an app that you've heard of, and I've heard of it for probably, I would say like a month or two is when it first came on my radar. And if you're unfamiliar with it, I actually had to look this up. And this is from theguardian.com, published just yesterday, which is February the 15th. So what is the Clubhouse app and why is it suddenly everywhere? And I'll quote this directly from the article. Part talkback radio, part conference call, part house party. Clubhouse is a social networking app based on audio chat. Users can listen in on conversations, interviews, and discussions between interesting people on various topics. It's just like tuning into a podcast, but live and with an added layer of exclusivity. Clubhouse is invite only, so you can't just download it out off the app store and create an account. So it's much like a real life country club or yacht club. You have to be invited to join by an existing member real-world elitism, but make it virtual. Well, that doesn't sound that awesome to me. That's Doug talking now. So that's kind of what it is. It's an audio chat situation. I'm not sure how many people can hop on to one of these, but I think a lot. I think, you know, many thousands is my guess without any further research. But Vanilla Ice comes into play because as I was doing research, I did Google Google. Clubhouse, And I tried to click on the first link, which is a link to the the app, and it says you have to be invited. So this is from New York Times. Robert Van Winkle, who is better known as the rapper Vanilla Ice, everybody remember Vanilla Ice, he held court online last night with more than a thousand fans. In a rambling conversation, Mr. Van Winkle praised the proses of the 1990s band Belbiv DeVoe. And demurred when he asked about his relationship with Madonna. So that's how Vanilla Ice and Madonna come into play again, minor roles here. So Mr. Van Winkle also dispensed advice on real estate and life, saying you got to protect your happiness to protect your life. At one point, an attendee serenaded the gathering with an acapella version of his hit "Ice Ice Baby." Okay, so I'll stop reading stuff here, but. You do have to be invited into Clubhouse by an existing member. It sounds like once you get on there, you get two invites and you could invite people. I'm not on Clubhouse. I have been offered a couple times uh, by some of my friends like, hey, do you, do you want an invite? I want to send you an invite. Someone actually pitched me to partner with them, but I didn't know who the fuck they were. It was just a random person on Instagram and they may actually listen to the podcast. So if you're out there, I usually don't, uh, do things with random people that I don't know, especially through an Instagram handle that doesn't have a name on there or anything like that. So th- that's why I didn't really seem enthusiastic about it. And then I'll get into the the other reason, which I kind of mentioned it before, where, The Guardian talks about this being real-world elitism, but make it virtual. You have to be invited by an existing member. And I mean, I I can understand partially because I think they're going through beta testing and you want to have a smaller group of people, but it also adds some fear of missing out. FOMO, as they say. I really don't like hearing or saying (laughs) FOMO, but it's fear of missing out it's faster to say FOMO though. So we'll do it for this conversation. I dislike it too. It's just going to make it go faster. So with Clubhouse, I've been hearing about it and I've heard you got to get on Clubhouse, you got to do this or that. And I rewound my brain and had a, well, that's just a memory. So I thought about a memory that I have from some live streaming. uh, What's the one on Twitter? I forget forget what it is, but Twitter picked it up and you could do the live streaming over there from your phone. And I recall getting advice or hearing someone saying, this is the biggest thing. You got to do live streaming on whatever that app is. It doesn't matter. There's always these sorts of apps that pop up. And I've been hearing the same thing. You got to get on Clubhouse. Everybody has a fucking boner on Clubhouse here. And I am resistant to change. It really, when new things come out, I'm skeptical. When someone tells me, you got to check it out. I am skeptical right off the bat. I'm not sure why some little mistrust ingrained in me. It feels like someone's selling something. And then I think the first person that mentioned Clubhouse to me, they're, they're more of a, they're more of a they're not an action taker. I'm not sure what word I'm looking for without being too offensive here, but it's a good dude or dudette. And essentially they they talk a lot about doing things, but they don't do them. So I was kind of, I was like, ah, this sounds kind of like a waste of time, especially coming from this person. And then they said in the conversation, I think it's Potentially a good way to waste a bunch of time and distract you, but he's like, I've made so many good connections and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, ah, all right, whatever. Not, not super interested. And when I step back, I don't really feel like I'm missing out on anything because I feel pretty content and happy right here. Very lucky. And it took, of course, years, years of me retraining how I think to be you know, happy with what you have. But It's really important. It's really important to reach that. And I'm not enlightened uh, to the extent that I strive to be, but I feel pretty good. I'm pretty happy. And I don't think adding Clubhouse to the mix is really going to make much of a difference to me in the short term or the long term. Sure. If it becomes a ginormous thing and everybody's kind of on there, it's a ubiquitous social media app like Facebook which is actually a bad example. I'm on Facebook, but I really don't check it because it's not really adding anything good. It's not really adding anything positive for me. So I kind of looked at it the same way. So what we have is an app that you can't get into. You have to get an invite. A couple people told me it's a little like wasting time. It's easy to waste time. Some other people said, hey, I made some really good connections. That's great. I mean, if you're looking to make connections, but I'm not necessarily looking to do that. In fact, as I'm talking about it, I'm just thinking about the real life co-working space that I go to and I don't go often enough, but those are great conversations with, you know, small groups of people in person, which I think is even better than, uh, you know, a virtual situation. Sure. I mean, if, if you're not located in the same place, yeah, that's obviously an issue. You have to make it virtual. But I have some cool people, impressive people right here in my local area that go to my co working space. May as well be talking to them in person. So I think when it all came down to it, I wasn't interested in getting an invite because this is just another thing where potentially I'm going to get metrics and analytics and wonder why. More people aren't paying attention to my conversations or why I didn't get invited to another conversation with, uh, you know, one, one of my friends or peers or something like that. So I usually don't get extra happiness by adding something whether it's uh, objects or a social media app or whatever, usually it's through experiences or removing a negative. Removing a negative is a really great way to add to your happiness. So if you keep stubbing your toe on the table in the location that it's at, you know, move the table a little bit, stop stubbing your toe. It's, It's a simple solution for that specific piece, but removing a negative is usually a really good move. And I, I like to do that as I've done less and less over time. I've gotten a little happier each time I remove a little piece of the puzzle. So that's uh it's very interesting. And I was listening to an older podcast. I think it was uh I think it was Joe Rogan. I don't remember who he was interviewing. I'll I'll figure this out, by the way, I'll because this was a great conversation, but He was talking about monks and enlightenment and when you study some of the the more ancient texts out there, it's usually someone who has removed these external inputs, someone who's gotten rid of their possessions and kind of went out on their own and they're solitary and they're happy on their own. And I'm not saying I want to do all that stuff, but removing things seems to be a key piece to you know reach happiness reach some different level of enlightenment in a positive direction and surely you can add back things but in a very selective way so i've been guarding my time more and more lately over the past 6 months A year, 18 months. I mean, I've been protecting my time more and more. And when I see something like this, it's like, yeah, it could be something where I could grow my following and grow my platform, but what's the real goal behind that? And if I don't have good answers to support it, then I mean, like really good answers, then it's really hard for me to add something like clubhouse into the mix. Now, with that said, I change my opinion all the time. I think when I get more information about something it it makes sense to change your opinion. So I could flip-flop. I hope I don't flip-flop in like a month or something like that. But the point is, if you get more information about something, it's perfectly normal and smart. It's a smart move to change your mind about something. If you have more information, maybe you've personally changed in some way and those inputs or whatever you're adding to your life will make a difference. So again, I hope I don't flip-flop in like six weeks. That'll sound stupid, but (laughs) yeah, I'll do a video on YouTube in like three weeks. It's like, why you have to get on Clubhouse now or you're going to die. So, but I won't, I won't do that one. Definitely not that title though. It's catchy. I mean, that's, that's going to get some people's attention because it turns out everyone is going to die. So it's it's actually true. It's not clickbait. It's for real. So anyway, with Clubhouse, you won't see me on there in the near term unless someone really twists my arm or convinces me otherwise. And if you're on Clubhouse, shoot me an email, feedback at doug.show. I am interested. People that are digging Clubhouse and you're having a great time, let me know about that too. I am very interested in people that are Getting a lot out of it because I'm clearly, I mean, I'm speaking uh, uninformed. I literally just googled um, a couple things and went to the Guardian and New York Times, not necessarily the best sources for inside information, but I wanted to at least have a definition for the people that are not familiar. So I am now adding to the frenzy of Clubhouse. But here's the thing later today, I'm actually doing an interview for someone's podcast, um, a dude named what the heck is his name here? Some guy, Oh, his name's Jack. His name's Jack. It's called socially business. And a lot of his questions are around having a podcast and having a YouTube channel. And this is the platform portion of the conversation. I do think most people, if you can carve out a little bit of time, should be doing something on their own. Some piece of a platform. So you can choose whatever the medium is best for you. It's totally dependent on what you enjoy doing, what you enjoy consuming and what you're, I guess, most proficient at creating. But we're talking a podcast, one of my favorite things. I think that's a a great area to get into blogging, email list, a YouTube channel or even Instagram, TikTok, or your favorite social media platform. I do think a podcast and a blog and an email list are kind of on a different tier because those are not on someone else's platform. Those are independent. You run those. If you have a podcast, it is hosted on, you know, wherever you want to host it. If you have a blog, same deal. Any hosting company you want. In an email list, you can select whatever platform. Those are open environments. No one is controlling who sees your stuff. You have to go out and find your people or make it easy for them to find you. And you could take those platforms and move them to another hosting provider, essentially. And in most cases, these are hosting providers or service providers in the case of an email list. Now, on YouTube, or if you choose Vimeo, right, that's another video platform that you could use. Those are potentially going to give you the opportunity to grow through organic search. And potentially, if you can get the algorithm to like your stuff, or rather, if you can get the users of those platforms to like your stuff, you potentially can grow much faster much faster than any of these self-hosted platforms out there. The downside, of course, is you're building your, your following, you're building your platform on someone else's property, which is either YouTube or Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, what, whatever it may be, you're on someone else's land and essentially they could change the rules on you. And they will change the rules on you. That's pretty much guaranteed, you may still be able to reach your audience without paying for it, but usually these are going to move to some sort of paid ads situation where you can't reach your audience unless you pay for it. Sure. Things change here and there. I know Facebook pages were really popular, you know, seven years ago or something like that. People would build a huge following and then the organic reach stopped. People then had to run ads to reach their audience and businesses folded because their business model wasn't, it wasn't uh, built around running ads and having to pay to reach your audience. Now on YouTube, you, you can run ads and I think ads are probably underutilized on YouTube. At least that's what I hear from the experts. I've, I've tested it a little bit. I didn't have a huge amount of success with it. But I learned the mechanics and I'm definitely ready to revisit it when the time's right. If I have some free time to to mess around with the ads, it was kind of fun. But over on Instagram and TikTok and stuff like that, you're really kind of, it's a ticking time bomb. Like you don't know how it's going to change in the future, but if you build everything on a specific platform that you don't control, you're going to get screwed at the end. So keep that in mind. And it's not bad to use any one of these platforms and whatever you want to focus on, like do that. So if you are into photography, if you love, well, not just just photography, but if you're into Instagram and that is the platform you really like and understand, you can certainly build a, a platform there and sell a lot of things and and build your following. Hopefully, you know, get people over to an email list. I think in all cases, whatever you're doing, you should probably build an email list. It is the best way to get in touch with your audience to hopefully control the message as much as you can. So if people actually want to get your emails, they will Look for your emails, even if they hit the spam folder, even if they end up in the promotional tab on Gmail, people are going to look for your emails if they want to hear from you. They will make it a priority. So email is great. I think, I mean, my whole marketing funnel is based on email. So no matter where you found me, I would like for you to be on the email list, which, you know, quick shout out. If you're not on the email list, you can go to nichesiteproject.com and then click the green button, enter your name and email address, and then I'll send you templates, all my systems and good stuff like that. So overall, my point here is <laughs> clubhouse, not not necessarily for me, especially in the short run, really don't care. I don't really care about new stuff until it's like battle tested. I am way behind the curve. I just started watching this show called 24, which if people remember that came out in like 2001. All right. So I am about 20 years behind, but good show. If you haven't checked it out, no one spoil it for me. We're only, we're only halfway through season one right now. So Jack Bauer, dude is amazing. Totally amazing. But build your platform wherever you want to build your platform is fine with me. Even if you don't have much time to commit, if you start small and start making slow progress in a few months, in a few years, in several years, you'll be happy that you did. And I, I do want to give a pitch for podcasts because I mentioned that that may be my favorite platform, either that or, or blogging, because with a podcast, you are going to improve your communication. You're going to be talking. You're hopefully going to not have too many filler words. You could improve on that. I recently listened to an episode and uh, of myself, and I realized that I have more filler words than I expected, and I really want to work on it. So with a podcast, you also have the advantage, and I'm going to spend this as an advantage, of terrible analytics. If you go look around and try to understand analytics and what, what companies provide the best analytics for podcasting, you'll quickly realize that podcasting analytics pretty much suck, but that also frees you up. You don't even know how many people are subscribed. You can make some assumptions and look at data and understand how many downloads that you have, but you don't get the level of detail that you get in YouTube analytics, which are tremendous. I can tell you how many people watch any given video, how long the average viewer stuck around, if they clicked anything at the end screen and various other metrics. There's so much information and it can be overwhelming and it could be a little too much because you end up obsessing over those analytics. With podcasting, you're flying blind. You get a little bit of information. You could tell if you're growing or the general trend of decline. You can understand that. But in many ways, you're not going to (laughs) know like these minute details of what listeners are doing. And I like that because you don't get wrapped up. You could just focus on the shit that you need to do, whether it's marketing or focusing harder on the content or preparing harder or whatever it is. Blogging, I think is fantastic as well. Writing helps you clarify your thinking. You can get much better at writing. I was terrible at first. I've gotten a little bit better and I'm always trying to tighten it up, write better, tighten it up, write more powerful things and hopefully a shorter, not necessarily a shorter amount of time. I'm not trying to write for productivity, but to make it a short enough article or piece of content where someone can get as much value in fewer words. Usually those are more powerful and those are more interesting for the people reading the content. So I think those are probably the the top areas. And like I said, I mean, you, you control those completely. So podcast, blog, really into it. Email lists are getting sort of a resurgence as far as people just starting an email list with nothing else and just maybe having a a little small blog. Substack is super popular in that area and you can monetize directly from there. I think Substack has some podcasting capabilities as well. So it's kind of the full package, I guess. If you, I don't know anything much about Substack other than What uh, Richard Patey told me about it. But people seem to dig it. So, anyway, build your platform. I think it's a great thing to do. This episode is brought to you by Ezoic. Ezoic is a Google certified partner, and they've recently rolled out their new SiteSpeed Accelerator. Basically, it speeds up your your site, it makes it load faster. And you really see a huge improvement most of the time with the Google page speed insight score. Now, if you already have a high page insight score, then it's not going to go up as much. But I had experience with uh, one of my sites, basically it went from the high 20s, low 30s to the high 90s, just by implementing the site speed accelerator. Now, A few people have asked me about using Ezoic and basically using their DNS. The best way you can use the SiteSpeed Accelerator and Ezoic in general is to use their DNS. And the reason why is you're able to use their caching and their CDN. That's a content delivery network. Basically, those are services. Those are things you would typically have to pay for separately. But it's included with the SiteSpeed Accelerator. There's a free seven-day trial, so I encourage you to check it out. And pe- again, people are concerned about using the DNS of some other third party. But basically, if you use a CDN, that is what you do. That That's like the thing that happens. If you use a CDN, you have to use another DNS, and things are loading sort of outside of your normal registrar in your hosting account, but it helps your site load faster. So it's sort of implicit and I do it myself. So I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't worry about it too much. If you're using a CDN, then you're using other uh, servers to load your site. Anyway, this is a site speed accelerator. So you need to use caching in the CDN. Thus you have a much faster loading site. So there's no harm in checking out the free seven day trial. And thanks again to Ezoic. All right, let's hit a couple questions here. This segment is sponsored by Niche Website Builders. I have a standing 20,000-word order with their content team, and they've been supplying me content for several months. I think it's like six or eight months now at this point. Losing track, but they are fantastic. They do a great job formatting the content. They work directly in WordPress for me, and I just have to take a quick look at the content. Peruse it very quickly. And then, uh, that's it. That's all I have to do. I hit publish and I'm good to go. So thanks to Niche Website Builders, you can check out their content services and get an extra 10% on your order. If you follow the link in the description, you'll have to get a coupon code, something of, uh, something like that, a coupon code, and then you'll uh, get more content. So really appreciate it. And even if you're not going to buy anything, do hop over to their website, follow the link and just hit them up on chat. Say, Hey, we appreciate you sponsoring the Doug show. Just letting them know helps me out just a little bit. So much appreciated. And the question here is from Chris. So Chris says, Hey, I've been following you for a uh, very long time and I was looking deeper into doing PPC. That's pay per click, like running ads to ClickBank affiliate offers. So running ads to ClickBank affiliate offers, but Chris is torn between traditional blog slash content sites, which earn money through advertising or doing this ClickBank offer situation. Do I have any advice for him? So, I thanked them for the support, and I also said, I personally prefer these content sites, which you probably can imagine based on all the content that I talk about here and on everything that I do. So I generally feel like a content site will have a longer lifespan. Now, full disclosure, and I always say when I don't know, or if I'm inexperienced in a certain area. So with PPC and ClickBank, I have not done this specifically. I do know, and I have talked to some of my friends and heard from people who essentially have an offer that is converting really well. And then the vendor, the supplier will kill the offer. It'll just go away. Sometimes it will change or the terms change so that the math doesn't work out to be profitable and the company will just disappear. So you essentially have to start over if you've built a ad campaign or any sort of a platform for a specific product, it could just go away. Now, you can probably hopefully transfer what you learned into other products, other competitors, that sort of thing, but... It of course depends on the specific offer, the niche, and all those details. Now, if you have a content site, then you can still sell the ClickBank offers and hopefully get organic traffic. Now, hell, you can still run ads to your landing pages, which I would say is more of a full package. I I don't know what I'm looking for there, but it's a more well-rounded set of skills. If you have a strong landing page, you have, and and I guess that would be a sales page, you have strong ads that you can run to a specific page. And if you can get organic traffic, you could build the funnel even bigger. Now with running ads and PPC, that's another set of skills. i do know how to run some ads on Facebook and YouTube and just in general? But you have to spend money to get the data and test things, and then you can optimize your ads. And sometimes it, you know, it may appear that your set of ads, your campaign, is not really working. But if you tease out the data, if you're skilled in running ads, you often can find that. There's something working. And if you could tweak it so that you're really optimized about the specific thing that's working, then you can make the math work. And essentially, you know, that's when they talk about, hey, I'm just printing money over here. I put in one dollar and I get out a dollar And then you, you essentially put as much money as you can into that. And then you hope that the math doesn't change along the way because what happens, you run ads and you have to pay for that pretty much right away. But if you're running an offer, you probably don't get paid for maybe 30 or 60 or even 90 days. So you have to float the money that you spent on the ads. So those are the areas where I've heard bad stories where basically people, people ran ads, they paid for their ads, they were owed money by the vendors, and then the vendors folded, went out of business, went bankrupt, and then you have you, – you, there's nothing you could do. I mean, you could try to sue them, but if the company went out of business, then you're out of luck. So I've heard that a couple times. That it's not a common story out there. So And then finally, the, the other piece of the puzzle that I mentioned to Chris here is um, you can learn ads. There's a whole other set of people that are teaching – paid ads, PPC in general, and I feel like a lot of them seem to fall into the get-rich-quick area of the internet, which is a bad area to be playing around it. I'm on the edge of it just with the make-money-online and because there's make-money-online folks that seem really scammy. So it's kind of hard to understand who's skilled and who is just regurgitating the same thing that they heard from someone else who also doesn't know what to do. So you end up with, unfortunately, I mean, I'm I'm describing now a pyramid where someone taught something a few years ago and a bunch of other people are teaching how to do it and running sales funnels and uh, no one's really doing anything except selling information about how to run sales funnels. I think you know which one I'm talking about if you spend anytime on YouTube. You see those ads all the time. I I don't, I pay for YouTube premium. So I don't see any of the ads, which is a great investment. Highly, highly recommended if you're a YouTube's consumer out there. All right, we're going to wrap it up here with the movie that we recently watched. And remember, I was talking about how I'm very behind on, well, uh, many things. I'm just, I'm just behind. I'm not, I'm not a, uh, I'm not someone on the cutting edge here. So Beverly Hills Ninja, the classic Chris Farley movie. I think that was his last movie before he died. And I never saw Beverly Hills Ninja. It turns out I I was dying laughing. It, It was so funny. It was so funny. Strong opening, a lot of SNL alum in there. So with i think a lot of times with a, an SNL movie or something that's out of the SNL crowd they're so good at writing the short sketches the opening to their to the movies are it's just so funny so fast and you're hooked and i thought the movie was going to fall apart and maybe the plot wasn't going to be that good of course it's stupid right beverly hills ninja uh, i'm not going to spoil the movie for you but chris farley is the ninja all right so you can imagine it's pretty funny if you haven't watched it i think we caught it on netflix and i died laughing 128 minutes it is worth your time to check it out so many of the scenes were I, i spit up my beer i'll just put it that way i spit up my beer choked a little we had to pause the movie clean up the mess but good grief chris farley so funny Such a funny dude. So anyway, check it out if you haven't watched Beverly Hills Ninja. And here I am recommending two different shows or movies that are 20 plus years old. So 24, Solid Watch, and Beverly Hills Ninja. That was from 1997, so way back in the day. All right. Have a good day out there. We'll catch you on the next episode.